When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Today on the Retire Sooner podcast, why economic forecasts are completely irrelevant for investors, all according to Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, once in a while, he'll be out there speaking. We know his annual letter. We've covered it, at least talked about Buffett quotes and lessons from Buffett here on the podcast. But every once in a while, he'll just appear on CNBC, and he did so very recently due to his purchase in five massive Japanese trading houses, which I had to look up and see what they did. Hard to pronounce their names, but he was live from Japan very recently with Becky Quick from CNBC, who is really one of the very few people he will sit down and talk through his investments and gave some really fascinating lessons that we can all take away in a world of chaos and a world where, by the way, the Federal Reserve is now forecasting a recession for towards the end of 2023. And when asked about recession, Buffett essentially smiled and brushed it off as he doesn't care. And it's not a flippant, I don't care. The way he positions this is that he thinks economic forecasts are irrelevant is whether the economy is negative 2% GDP or plus 2% GDP, as a real investor that's really looking at companies and what they're doing over the long run, they're going to be plotting away, doing the very best they can, optimizing their business, trying to forge ahead, whether GDP growth is negative one or positive one or negative five or positive five. It doesn't matter to company management of great companies what the economy is doing because they're always adjusting. If the economy is bad, they may be adjusting to that difficult economic environment. If the economy is good, they may be accelerating what they're doing because there's a real tailwind. But the reality is that we wake up every day and great companies have great management teams, wake up every day and push the ball forward regardless of where the economy is. However, the media and all of us are tied to whether we're going to be in a recession or not, or we're in tune to it. Wait a minute, the Federal Reserve says recession? What does that mean for me in my economic household? So it's important to understand what the economy is doing, maybe just for our own peace of mind, but it's also important to understand that over the long run, it shouldn't be relevant to you as an investor what's going to happen over the course, even of the next year, which is a relatively long period of time, even if we go through a recession. And that's the lesson we'll take away here today, number one. Number two, it is fascinating what Buffett sees in 
Japan. It's fascinating to understand that he's diving into a whole set of companies that most Americans probably don't know what they do or have never heard of. And then furthermore, speaking of companies versus stocks, I want to give some examples today of companies that we look at today as super successful, but had really big issues or on the verge of bankruptcy at some point in their economic life cycles and figured out a way to revive themselves, figure out a way to pivot themselves regardless of the economic environment and regardless of the challenges that they faced, bringing all this together and helping us understand just how important it is to be invested in companies rather than stocks. To me, this is a real lesson in how to be better investors over long periods of time, something that I think is essential to the retire sooner journey. Producer Mallory joins us on the show here today. Hi, happy to be here. How familiar are you with these Japanese trading houses? Now, you know those, what? not at all. <laughs> not at all. So Sumitomo, Maryabeni, Itochu, Mitsui, and then one more familiar name, Mitsubishi Corp. Together, they're called, these companies are called Sogo Shosha. It's not super easy to say. And I will say this for the podcast today, we're going to be talking a lot about individual companies, not just these Japanese companies, but I want to give a bunch of examples of companies that have paid dividends for really, really long periods of time. They're increased their dividends for long periods of time and some turnaround stories of companies to just articulate how even some of the best known brands we know today have gone through some really, really difficult times. So we're not here to promote any individual company or buy and sell any of these. And that's obviously for compliance reasons. I really just want to use these as examples of how, if we look at the big picture, there's story after story after story of companies thriving regardless of what's happening in the economy. Speaking of economic forecasts, this is also very recently, we, we got word from the Federal Reserve, the big Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell's group, that's forecasting a recession in late 2023. They also have come out and said that total economic growth, they're forecasting only to be 0.4 of a percent. So less than a half a percent growth for the U.S. in aggregate. However, here in that same week, you can go on to the Atlanta Federal Reserve, which is a branch of the overall Federal Reserve, and they do something called the GDP Now, which is the current tracker of economic activity. And they're estimating for the first quarter of 2023, but this is an annualized number, to be growing at 2.2%. One Federal Reserve is saying we'll have barely have any growth. Another branch of the Federal Reserve is saying GDP Now says 2.2%. Now, granted, that is still towards the beginning of the year, but that's a really big difference. And you hear the Atlanta Fed and then the actual Fed all talking about GDP numbers in the same week. And it's pretty confusing. One says 2.2%, one says 0.4%. That's a 450% difference. As a consumer, Mallory, not in the investment business, does that seem confusing to you? Well, I'm, yeah, make my, you nervous? My, my first question is like, which which one do I need to pay attention to? Do I go with the more localized one? Do I believe like the more national scale? Or And I guess at the end of the day, the only thing I really care about is how is it going to impact me and how is it going to impact people that I care about? Long, long run. And by the way, so the Atlanta Fed, even though it's the it's the Southeast, it's, it is doing a GDP now for the whole country. So they're not looking oh, at, this is not even I a regional. So this is, just, okay, so they're just throwing out different numbers. Well, and that's just frustrating because... Because like, why would they, why are they trying to provide so many different forecasts, especially if they're like publishing them as opposed to if they're a team, wouldn't they just 
get one number and share that with everyone? Well, they're, they're slightly different. GDP now is trying to look at where the economic almost RPM rate of where we are today versus the Fed. what the Fed said also this week is their longer range for the entire year. Of course, it's confusing. Here's what Warren Buffett would say about it, that it doesn't matter and it's totally relevant. Yeah. Doesn't matter and it's totally relevant. One of the questions he got this week from Becky Quick on CNBC was, hey, are, are you worried about going into recession this year? And he said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to him whether we're in recession or not in recession because his companies are still going to be doing what they're supposed to be doing every day. First of all, it's confusing. Second of all, Buffett made the comment that if any of the companies that he owns or is an investor in hires an economist or an economic forecaster, he tells them they're wasting their money. And he's serious about that. First of all, we know that most economic forecasts end up wrong anyway. Over and over again, you see economic consensus. A group of 100 economists say this, and they all agree that interest rates will be higher, but then they never go up. As an example, I remember one year, I think it was 98 out of 100 economists expected interest rates to be much higher. Let's call it in the year of 2018 or 19, and they were all wrong. Let's take a present day example. Deutsche Bank forecasts a U.S. recession back in April, March and April of 2022, over a year ago. And here we are an entire year later. And the Fed tracker, the Atlanta Fed tracker for where economic growth is right now is over 2%. The Great Recession of 2008, dot-com bubble early 2000s. Very few experts, very few economists, strategists saw those dramatic shifts coming. So what Buffett stressed this week is to, to forget about the broken clocks and look at the work companies are doing every day. Call that long-term value creation. Call it operational excellence. And in his case, and the companies that he's a part of or owns, he's looking at numbers coming in every day on the volume of goods that are going through the railroads that he owns. Selling more candy, he mentioned he was looking at Easter candy sales, furniture sales on any given day, semiconductors, iPhones, soda, soda pop, depending on where you are in the country. Midwesterners still call pop. And also bringing in more insurance premiums. These are all the businesses, everything I mentioned there, Buffett has a part of some business or all of one of those businesses. So he's in the business of selling all these things and all the companies doing so, getting just a little bit better and optimizing what they're doing, regardless of what the economy is doing. So if we look at it this way and not the changing winds of economic forecasters, we'll see great companies rewarded over time over the long run, regardless of whether we're up 1% in Q3 or down 1% in Q4. If you really think about being a good investor over time, you're not worried about an economic contraction when that is the reality of the cycle we go through. We go through economic periods of boom, we go through periods of bust, and then we come out of that bust to, to heal and go back into acceleration. That's a natural economic cycle. But companies, regardless of where they are in the cycle, are trying to be better at what they do, more efficient at what they do, regardless of, of the environment. And he feels really strongly about Sogo Shosha, which are the big Japanese conglomerate companies that are, are the trading houses. Yeah. 
So you're going to have to clarify for me. What what do you mean when you say they're trading houses? When I first read about this, I, I immediately thought these were the, fir- the firms that he'd bought into were the stock exchanges, as in trading stocks or trading bonds. That's totally wrong. These are the companies that facilitate international trade. Think goods and services. So they're big. The, many of these, well, so there's evidently there's five of these and he, he bought them on his 90th birthday. So this is, that's how he was celebrating. That's, I love it. That's his birthday gift to himself. I'm just going to buy some companies. <laughs> I'm just going to, the other thing I loved about this week, what Buffett was talking about is that everything he learned to like when it came to food, he knew by the age of six. Well, that's, that's, you know, I know some other people who are like that, but I just can't imagine being so like, that's all you eat is where so you start. He's still cherry Coke. He still oh, yeah. eats hot dogs and hamburgers Ooh. from fast food places. Yeah. He's still. So, so you don't want to take him to a nice sushi restaurant. What do you think he ate when he was in Japan? That's a great question. Probably found a local McDonald's. Oh, probably yeah. found. And, and I he hear said they're fancy there. He actually said he was drinking Coca-Cola during the interview. Oh, and he also said that if you were to tell him that it would take a year off his life, he would add an extra year to his life if all he ate was broccoli. He'd say, forget it, it's not worth it. Wow. Okay, now that um, that's a hot take. He, he, he also mentioned that because he's really been a generally happy person, and e- even though he's gone through tragedies in his life and loved ones have died, and he's, got, he's 92 at this point, that he's generally really lived a, a happy life. And that he attributes that to his health. He attributes his health to his general level of contentment and happiness. And I, he, I think that's really fascinating. And, like we know food impacts it, but I think that the idea that so much of it is probably attitude is is actually really aligned, even kind of I think with who we see every day at Capitol. And it goes along with that thought around he what makes him happy. It really makes him excited and happy to eat cheeseburgers and cherry coke. And it made me and feel great. Company. Made me feel very unguilty about what I would, was eating that the day that I was listening, listening <laughs> to that like, interview. Like I better pick up an extra apple pie. I know, and I had a I had a cheesesteak. Oh, yeah. It, it 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 inspired me to order a cheesesteak. There's a place in Atlanta called Woody's. Oh yes. And Woody's has the most authentic cheesesteak, arguably in in the city of Atlanta. And they're not always open. They don't make it super easy. It's, That's when you know it's a really good restaurant. Whenever it's like they're open like, when they want to be open. Yes. So I've gone there many times in my life and they're closed. So like, it's Saturday afternoon. What do you mean you're closed? But they could kind of, they're open when they want. And they know people are going to keep coming to Woody's. And it is just an awesome cheesesteak. So luckily, they were open the other day. And Buffett, inspi- his lack of healthy eating inspired me to go get a cheesesteak, even though I know it's probably one of the very worst things I could possibly eat for dinner. White bread, dripping steak with melted cheese over it is clearly not a healthy meal. Everything in moderation, including moderation. Moderation in moderation. Full disclosure, I am affiliated with Capital Investment Advisors, which is a full service and a fee-only financial planning and investment management firm in Atlanta and Denver and Tampa and Phoenix or wherever you are. And if you'd like to take your retirement planning or retire sooner journey to the next level, Capital Investment Advisors would love to help. You can find our team and schedule a time to chat right at yourwealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R wealth.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So again, just out of fascination by this, Sogo Shosha is going to do trading. So think about raw materials coming in out of the country, finished products, and then they call it intermediate goods, which are the components and the things we don't even see that go into making products. So they're shipping and they're trading that. They're investing as well in the infrastructure of the country, or the infrastructure of Japan, the energy and the manufacturing infrastructure of the country. They're highly involved in optimizing the supply chain, so making the country run more efficiently. Well, and considering Japan's just one big island, well, I guess, I guess it's a lot of different islands. They probably need a lot of imports. It, it is. It's an import-heavy country, of course. And they also do risk management. So because of, think about all the trading that happens on all the currency fluctuations, they mitigate some of that risk. And then they almost act as investment bankers where they're helping other companies grow that also contribute to the business, the businesses that they're in. Buffett kind of looks at these companies as conglomerates, a lot like how he's built his company to have multifaceted industries participating in lots of different tentacles of the economy. And I think that's what he saw here. And that's why he invested a couple of years ago on his birthday as his birthday present, eating, drinking cherry Coke and went over recently to visit these companies and get to meet them face to face. That's interesting. It took two years. Maybe part of that is just because of the pandemic. Mm. If, if he bought these back in 2020. 2020 or 2021. Yeah. He bought these back in August of 2020. So we were in the throes of the pandemic at yeah. that point. Even if you have a private plane, still not a great time to go international. <laughs> and this is exactly what he did, by the way. He just said he was on his net jets, which is again, one of the Buffett oriented companies. He flew over to meet these teams. So he looks at these as just essential parts of the economy, essential for growth and will participate in any growth that the country sees, which again goes back to and reminds me of companies figuring out a way to survive, figuring out a way to, to thrive. That doesn't happen all the time. Of course, we, we just went through two banks that went away. SVB, we, we know that we, of course, know was, is the headline of 2023. And then Signature Bank, another giant bank. Those companies are gone. They're out of the S&P 500. They were in the S&P 500. They're gone. They were replaced, though, by two other companies kind of I look at these companies that are knocking on the door to get into the S&P 500, kind of like AAA. They're AAA ball players, So minor leagues, ready to be called up to the majors. And the day that those two companies left, two new companies doing billions of dollars in revenue, both entered the S&P 500. But here's some turnaround stories. Oh, everybody loves an underdog story. I'm excited. All right, the first one, and I picked this because I see, I've seen this firsthand, again, I've had kids now for 16 years or so. They've all played with Legos. Four, four boys, all of them have had their phase with Legos. But there was a time, and, and, and again, I grew up playing with Legos. So you got to go back 40 some years. But there was a time in, early, in the early 2000s that Legos almost became irrelevant. 
I guess that that was around like the time that all of the toys were suddenly like smarter and like could light up and you know, you get like some plastic bricks. It's not nearly as much fun as like my flying dancy Barbie thingy. Well, by the way, when you were a kid, do you, do you remember Legos being not all that popular? Oh, well, so in my, that family, would have been in the early two thousands, right? For well, you. I was, I was a nineties kid. I was a nineties kid. And at that point, no, 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 they still dominated. Listen, my brother and I had a whole game called animal world where we had like a little Lego table that my dad built for us. It was so great. Um, and my sister is still resentful of the fact that we never let her play with us. <laughs> but then, but then, but then, but then toys then got, got shinier, smarter. got smarter, yeah. and and Legos for a period of time kind of got got boring. And they they were on the brink of bankruptcy in the early two thousands. And think about this: we just make these blocks that you have to stick together. They're they're not fancy. They don't light up. They're not smart. So Lego had to totally pivot and figure out a new way to be relevant. And I've seen them become as as relevant or more relevant today than when I was a kid. So they got innovative. They made a Lego movie, which was a brilliantly done movie. I, I hope you've seen it because it's hilarious. Oh, of course so I've seen it cute. many times. They dragged me to the movie theater to see it. <laughs> and then we've seen it five other times. Because it was so good. Well, and have you seen, they also have a TV show called Lego Masters. And it's literally a competition where these like different contestants of teams are like building. Lego I have figures. seen that. Yeah. It's so fun. It's a primetime show. And yeah. that's not an accident. Oh. This is not NBC or whoever does the show probably didn't go to Lego and say, Hey, can we do a Lego show? It was probably Lego reaching out and saying, I think we can design a show that would be really interesting. And that's really what they've done. You think about all the partnerships they've done with movies and brands. Well, it makes me think of the star Wars franchise, which, and you can get almost any piece of the Star Wars universe in Lego, in Lego. form. And it's, I, I know so many adults who love that stuff. Now, I don't know any, Marissa. <laughs> Marissa, our technical producer, she is a grown up, and she does buy Legos still. Jurassic Park, another theme. Even for this past Easter, Samuel, my youngest, got a Lego set from the Easter Bunny that was an Easter Bunny Lego set. That's so cute. So it was a three-in-one Lego kit. It was a obviously an Easter bunny and then a seal. And then what looks like a puppy, but it's actually a, a little baby seal. And then a white cockatiel with the yellow oh, yeah. feathers on its head. Oh, that's that's amazing. You can get three in one though, right? A set of fun-loving brick-built animals. Again, highly innovative marketing partnerships, movie. Now we're show on primetime, Lego went from being almost bankrupt to totally reinventing themselves. Well, and being a big part of the cultural conversation. I feel like, you know, you, you throw out Legos and people are like, oh yeah, I did X, Y, and Z with that. I went to the theme park. I, I watched the show. And this has happened over and over again. Apple, we know the story of Apple starting to become irrelevant and they pivoted towards iPads and iPhones and completely revitalized the company. And they continue to make progress, not just as a hardware company, but as a subscription company as well. We know Amazon went from selling books out of Bezos's garage to selling everything to then getting into the cloud computing business. And now it's a massive part of Amazon is AWS, which is a really a field that they almost pioneered. We know the story of IBM going from typewriters to mainframes. And then when that became unpopular from mainframes to technology consulting. They bought a giant part of a consulting company, PwC, and now they're one of the largest IT consulting companies in the world. 
Adobe, which used to be Photoshop. Still is, still is. Still is Photoshop, (laughs) but they used to sell it in a box and they used to sell it in CDs that you would load on your computer. And there was a period of time where that started to become irrelevant. They had a huge piracy problem where people were stealing Adobe and not paying for it. And they moved to a really smart subscription-based model. So good that we just resubscribed to, I don't know how many of the different products that Adobe uses. We use Adobe software here for the show. Netflix, another example. Oh, I love I love how Netflix started with the DVDs. I still remember when my parents first signed up for it because they liked the DVD subscription. They liked how they would like mail them and then whatever, red, the little red yeah, jackets. envelope. Yeah, and they they would watch. It's so funny. They would watch the DVDs, and then I got into the streaming because I was at college at that point. So I would be at college, and I was like, well, if I can just stream it using y'all's login, this is great. And the business went from rentals to completely pivoting to subscription pay-per-month streaming service that is now a leader in the industry. Do, do you think anybody still gets the DVDs? I don't even know if Netflix still does it. Do some people do that, Producer Ryan? It is still available if you want to do it. I don't think it's a big part of the business, but they still have CDs come. Usually, I remember them always being scratched. Half of the time, they didn't work. And I was so disappointed when my exciting movie was a bust but they pivoted and they changed. Unlike Blockbuster. Mm, very true. And there's example after example after example. Starbucks faced a crisis of- It's weird to think about Starbucks facing any kind of crisis. Right, over, you think of, they, they were this huge overexpansion. The former founder had to come back as CEO, close a huge amount of stores and revitalize that brand. So it shows that companies either pivot and survive, or they go away. Blockbuster is an example. And that's why just investing in the S&P 500 has been such a useful strategy because it is a survival success-based market. The bad companies fall out of the S&P 500, usually as they've already gotten much smaller, and new companies get called up from AAA ball to the majors, and the index continues to rebalance and reinvent itself. Now, here's another reason that Buffett could care less about economic forecasts this year or even next year or the next year. Because as investors, if we're buying companies, again, not stocks so much, but companies that are adapting to whatever environment is thrown at them, there are so many examples where we can find companies that have consistently paid out dividends to their shareholders and raise those dividends year after year after year. If we zoom out for just a second and look at where divid- how far dividends have come over the last, let's call it 50 years. Back in 1973, the, the total dividend payout for the S&P 500 was about $3 and about three and a half bucks, call it 361 to be exact. As of last year, the total dividend was just shy of $67 for the S&P 500. So think of that, three, around three and a half to almost 70. That's an 18, that's 18 fold. It's gone up, the, the dividend payout of the collective group of companies went up 18X over the last 50 years. Now, earnings also went up a lot. In fact, even more than that, earnings have gone up 27 times since that period of time. But the amount of payout from companies to you, if you own these companies, just the market itself, the S&P 500, has gone up 18X. That's just the cash payout. Here's some of these examples. 
And again, remember, we're not saying go buy or sell any of these companies. These are just examples of what we call dividend aristocrats. And there, there's an actual index called the Dividend Aristocrat Index. These are companies that have paid out, call it 20 years plus, and increased their dividend for really long periods of time. Aflac is an example, 39 plus years. ADM, Archer Daniels Midland, big giant food company, 40, almost 50 years. So just not just paying a dividend for 50 years or 48 years, but increasing it year after year after year. Cardinal Health, 35 plus years. Caterpillar, over 25 years. Chevron, over 35 years. The Clorox Company, over 45 years. Coca-Cola Company, 60 plus years. Con Ed, which is one of the, the oldest utility companies in the United States, over 45 years. General Dynamics, Industrials, Defense, 30 plus years. Hormel Foods, as in the chili, over 55 years of dividend growth. McDonald's, 45 plus. PepsiCo, it's not always just about Coca-Cola. Can we say that? I don't know if that's allowed. We live in Atlanta. <laughs> 49 plus years. Procter & Gamble, 65 years plus. Sherwin-Williams. The exciting paint company. I used to work at Sherwin-Williams. Oh, really? I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Sherwin-Williams. Love Sherwin-Williams. Yeah. Over 40 years. These are all companies that have, th think about what's happened over the last 30, 40, 50 years. So many recessions, so many crises. There's always something happening. Have you ever noticed? I feel like what, there's a great saying you've got. What is it? If, if it's not, if you're either in a recession or getting ready to get a, into a recession or getting out of a recession, right? Exactly. What, what We're it? either going to a recession, in a recession, or coming out of a recession all the time. There was, the R word is, is a constant. But these companies have been able to manage through all of it. And not that they made more and more money every single year, but they were able to continue to ratchet up what they pay out to investors year after year after year as examples of companies that have had to all figure out what's next. They've all had to pivot. They've all had to operate in bad economies. And that's really the key to what Warren Buffett is saying. Why? He, it's not that he doesn't care about the economy. It's just that he knows that over time, particularly the U.S. economy, once it goes into recession, it will recover. And he's a great example of how he's probably made most of his money over time investing through difficult times. We really make our real money during difficult economic times in bear markets. Because during bear markets, we're able to continue, if we're persistent, we're able to continue to buy companies at lower and lower and lower prices. And when they eventually recover, that's when we see this exponential growth. That resilience is the army of American productivity. That relentless innovation and relentless determination and the work ethic that has propelled so many companies in the U.S. to prosper over the last half a century and last full century. That's the key. Focusing on that is the key to long-term investment success. Not to mention that if you look at the S&P 500, over time, about 40% of the total return of the S&P 500 comes from dividends. We tend to think about, oh, it's the price. Oh, the, what, is it, what level is it, was it, and what level is it today? That's only about 60% of the battle. The other almost 40% of the total return equation 
is the reinvesting of all those dividends that get paid out. Then when we're no longer accumulating, we can start living on those dividends as a steady paycheck. So I think this week is such a good lesson of forecasts are at their best confusing. Forecasts, according to Buffett, are totally useless at their worst. And constantly worrying about the economy, which we tend to do because it's in our face every day, is just a terrible distraction to the business of investing. Instead, we got to remember that real wealth creation over time, value creation, a huge part of that is dividend growth, should be in the tailwind of the army of American productivity. Are we going to end up being like Warren Buffett, net worth $200 billion? Probably not. Maybe some people listening, God willing. But even if we're not going to be worth $200 billion, just a sliver of that mindset, just a sliver of the Buffett mindset will help you retire sooner than you think. Hey, y'all, this is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This is provided as a resource for informational purposes and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. The mention of any company is provided to you for informational purposes and as an example only and is not to be considered investment advice or recommendation or an endorsement of any particular company. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. There is no guarantee offered that investment return, yield, or performance will be achieved. The information provided is strictly an opinion and for informational purposes only, and it is not known whether the strategies will be successful. There are many aspects and criteria that must be examined and considered before investing. This information is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment, tax, estate, or financial plan considerations or decisions. Investment decisions should not be made solely based on information contained herein.